Welcome to another bonus episode of Calm History, an extra treat for my Silk Plus members. Now, I trust that you know the two basic facts about Marco Polo. Number one, he traveled a lot and went to a lot of places. And number two, he invented a frantic splashy pool game in which kids constantly yell his name. (laughs) Okay, he probably didn't invent that game. My theory is that some parents invented that game as an easy way to tell that their kids were safe in the pool while maybe they drank Mai Tais around the corner. As long as they could hear their kids yelling, then they figured, well, they must be okay. (laughs) That is a horrible theory for so many reasons, which is probably why I should stop conjecturing about the Marco Polo pool game and just focus on Marco Polo, the traveler, for the rest of this episode. When Marco Polo returned home from his travels, he published a book about all the marvelous sights he witnessed. But today, I'm going to do a little more than just tell you his story. You'll hear the wondrous tale of his journey and his return home, including who he traveled with, how many miles he journeyed, where he went, and why he was imprisoned when he returned home. Although, how much of his book is actually true? Did he really travel to the places he reported in the book? For example, he traveled all over China, but his book never mentioned the Great Wall of China never mentioned chopsticks, didn't even mention tea. This might be like traveling all over the Sahara Desert and never mentioning sand. Well, maybe not exactly like that. But these omissions have been seen by many as red flags. His book has been reported to be a mix of truth lies, exaggerations, and perhaps plagiarism. Okay, time for some calm history. I hope it distracts and relaxes your overactive brain squirrels. Marco Polo was born in 1254 in Venice, Italy. His father was a wealthy merchant who often went on trading journeys to distant lands. This resulted in young Marco becoming a traveler at a young age. In 1271, when Marco was 17 years old, he accompanied his father and uncle on a long journey. They traveled through the Holy Land, Persia, and Tartary, 
and at length to the Empire of China, then called Cathay. It took them three years to reach Cathay. The emperor of Cathay was a monarch named Kublai Khan, who lived in Peking. Marco's father and uncle had been in Cathay once before. They had entertained Kublai Khan by telling him about the manners and the customs of Europe. So when the two Venetian merchants again appeared in Peking, Kublai Khan was glad to see them. He was also pleased with the young Marco, whom he invited to his palace. Important positions at the Chinese court were given to Marco's father and uncle. This resulted in all three of them living in Cathay for several years. During his stay, Marco studied the Chinese language and learned to speak it. When he was about 21, Kublai Khan sent Marco on an important business trip to a distant part of China. He did the work well, and from that time on was often employed by Kublai Khan as an envoy of the Chinese monarch. His travels were sometimes to lands never before visited by Europeans. He saw sights and people all throughout Asia that were mostly unknown to his home country. Step by step he was promoted, including being governor of a great Chinese city. Finally, he, his father, and his uncle desired to return to Venice. They had all served Kublai Khan faithfully, and he had appreciated it and given them rich rewards. While they were discussing their departure, an embassy arrived in Peking from the king of Persia. This king desired to marry the daughter of Kublai Khan, the princess Kokachin. Consent was given, and Kublai Khan fitted out a fleet of fourteen ships to carry the wedding party to Persia. The Princess Kokachin was a great friend of Marco Polo. She urged her father to allow Marco to go with the party, and so he did. Marco's father and uncle were also allowed to go, and the three Venetians left China. The fleet with the wedding party on board sailed southward on the China Sea. Stops were made at Borneo, Sumatra, Ceylon, and other places. Finally, the ship arrived in the Persian Gulf, and they all disembarked the ship. After they reached the capital of Persia, Marco, his father, and his uncle were entertained and showered with gifts from the Persians for several days. After the wedding, the Venetians left Persia, went to the Black Sea, and took a ship back home to Venice. They'd been away so long, 
and were so much changed in appearance that none of their relations and old friends knew them when they arrived in Venice. After hearing their great stories and seeing the artifacts they brought back, it was quite clear who they were and where they had been. Unfortunately, at the time they returned home, Venice was at war with Genoa. These two cities were fighting for the trade of the world. Venice had established itself a leader in the trade world long ago. Eight hundred years before Marco Polo's birth, some people of North Italy had fled from Attila the Hun to the islands of the Adriatic Sea and founded Venice. Since then, the little settlement had become the most wealthy and powerful city of Europe. Venice was the queen of the Adriatic Sea, and they protected themselves with great warships. But now, Genoa was challenging Venice for dominance. In a great naval battle, Genoa defeated the Venetians. Marco Polo was in that battle, and with many of his countrymen, he was captured by the enemy. For a year, he was confined in a Genoese prison with another prisoner who happened to be a skilled writer. So Marco dictated a detailed account to him of his travels and experiences, which was soon published. The book spread throughout Europe in manuscript form and became known as The Travels of Marco Polo. This famous book gave Europeans their first comprehensive look into That was just a tasty nibble of my newest bonus episode. You can peek in the episode notes to learn more about it. If you are a Silk Plus member, then you'll find the full-length version of this bonus episode waiting for you in the bonus podcast. If you're not a Silk Plus member, then you can easily become one by using the link in the episode notes or by going to silkpodcasts.com. You are now just a small hop away from accessing this bonus episode and over 400 additional episodes, all free for a limited time. That there are a lot of episodes to feed your restless brain squirrels. Nom nom. Nom nom nom.